to Better Than a Pill. I'm Carrie Van, and I help women over 40 improve their health and wellness and live pain-free. Welcome back to Better Than a Pill. Today, I am so excited to have Corey Rosenke on as a guest. And Corey is an author, pastor, communicator, and a tenacious pursuer of truth. He is both a concept pioneer and the foremost authority on the cravings of the soul. And through session, song, worship, and manuscript, he is dedicated to the pivotal work of connecting hungry souls to the joy of their maker. So welcome, Corey. Thank you, Carrie. I'm delighted to be here. Well, I'm super excited to have you. And today we're going to be talking about the soul, you know, what it's good for, um, how it can have an impact on our health and wellness and all of those things. But I would just love to start off um, with you telling a little bit about your story and how you actually became um, a pastor. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that was a, a real long journey. Um, I, I grew up um, very poor, left home very early at a young age. I left home when I was just before I was 15 years old. Um, leaving on my own at that time, I was uh, a horse trainer and um, met a beautiful lady, um, picked her up from school <laughs> and uh, got married. And early on in our relationship, you know, I had grown up, you know, in a in a faith filled home and she had not. Um, but that was something that she wanted as as well. And at the time, it was interesting. I grew up in a in a faith filled home, but wasn't um, really pursuing you know, that in any way where she hadn't, but she was pursuing. And so we just kind of thought, hey, what kind of church should we go to? And so we just kind of went to a local church um, full of gracious people. Um, I was a musician at the time. So oftentimes uh, when you go to church, they love to plug people in, get them busy doing stuff. Um, And so they got me doing music. And that's when I got serious, you know, about my faith at that particular time. And, and I remember I got excited about it. And so I had a, ultimately I had, um, other churches that would ask me to come do music at, you know, at their, their place as well. And um, I was just getting excited about God at that point. And so they couldn't shut me up between songs. I was supposed to lead the singing, but I just couldn't, I just kept talking between songs. And so I remember one pastor one day said, Hey, why don't you just preach? <laughs> and so, <laughs> and so that was what I did. And that's kind of what started it all off. Wow. That's awesome. I love, I love to hear that. And yeah. So, and that just, um, where you, where you started to preach. You went from singing to preaching. Yep, exactly. Yep. <laughs> wow. Well, well, thank you for sharing that. And, you know, I know that there are a lot of people um, today that are even listening on to our episode and, and everywhere that are searching for holistic well-being. And, you know, this includes mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual health. So, how does nurturing or understanding and connecting to our soul, in your opinion, contribute to our overall health and wellness? Well, I think that like you just named the areas in life that people are looking for wellness, right? We have the physical, the psychological, um, and um, obviously the spiritual. But what often happens is for some reason, the the spiritual is kind of just tagged on at the end, right? And um, for some people, it's not even a factor. And so what I have really been on a mission over the last couple of years to remind people of it, and what I'm doing is I'm reminding them of something that they already know. I, I believe we already know this. And that is that more than a brain or a body, we are souls. And so any talk of holistic wellness, you know, 
has to consider the fact that more than the biological, we are non-biological beings. And that is something that is not even, it's not simply a religious statement. It's a statement um, that I believe is as scientific as you can get. It is well-documented throughout the ages. In fact, it's only been in recent years um, where academia has kind of begun to shun the notion of a soul. And they've kind of put all of their chips, you know, so to speak, on, on psychological components. And this, this shift in perspectives hasn't happened because of some sort of scientific breakthrough, right? It, it's happened simply because of ch a change in culture. Um, and I think also, in my personal opinion, there's a bit of a, an aspect where if, if, if certain people acknowledge the soul, then they have to acknowledge that there is a science and an awareness that is beyond our ability to completely understand. And for a lot of people, um, that is unpleasant to them. So they, they, to a certain degree, they throw the baby out with the bathwater. However, mm -hmm. as you just mentioned, any talk of holiness, holistic well-being has to start with the soul because the soul is the seat of our personhood. It's the seat of our personality. It's the seat of our consciousness. Um, that's why I believe it is the highest of all factors. You know, I go out on a lot of shows. I talk about a lot of topics. Um, and yet the soul is relevant to all of them because ultimately it's the core of who we are. I know there's a lot of people who might be new to the concept of the soul or struggling with spirituality that are listening today or spiritual identity um, and so on. And, you know, first off, I think we should um, de define the soul. And, and I wanted to kind of run this by you. I know just in my own belief, I believe the soul is, is something, it's our being, right? And I personally separate that from the spirit. Um, and so I'd be curious, um, and I'm talking about the Holy Spirit that lives within mm -hmm. me and I am a Christian, right? right? So, yeah. so when we die, our soul does not go with us in, in my belief, but it is an important part of us. And so, mm -hmm. and so, you know, that's just, I had to throw that in there, but I, I would love for you to define it a little bit and kind of explain, explain it, break it down a little bit for us. Yeah. So from my perspective and is, I believe that we are three-part beings, ultimately, body, mind, and soul. And as you've, as you've mentioned, the Holy Spirit, of course, um, as a believer, you know, you would um, adhere to the idea that the Holy Spirit prompts us and calls us toward goodness and calls us higher. And, and I would agree that that is a, um, a separate thing, right? Um, when God made Adam and Eve, he formed us out of the, the dust of the earth and then breathed into us, right? Making us a living being. And so from, from my perspective, I would say that I would believe that the soul is the part of us that does endure. And that's where we might have a different, maybe have a little bit different perspective on the idea in that I believe that we are biological creations, you know, in this physical sense. You know, we look around the room, I can see you and I can see shape and color and I can hear tone and you look at me and you see the same thing, but we are so much more than that. You know, underneath that, we are souls created in the image of God. And um, so I believe that our our souls are the seat of our personhood. In fact, a lot of it's, it's so wonderful that in today's modern world, we're finally addressing mental health issues. In fact, it's kind of become to the forefront. It's a, it's a very big idea. However, I believe that sometimes we misclassify certain mental health issues as strictly biological when the truth of the matter is it, it's actually layered beneath that. See, we have souls that aren't just lying dormant, you know, waiting until we die 
then they're, then they're finally released. Our souls are are the core of who we are, right? They are they are the seat of our motivations. Um, and so oftentimes I, I say we look at the world around us today and we see a world in chaos and, and we wonder wonder why. How how could we be the most prosperous people in the history of mankind, which is literally what we are? There's never been a generation in history that has experienced the prosperity that we have, right? When you think of the the access to education and wealth opportunities and comfort and leisure and freedoms and you know we we could go on and on and on. No generation has experienced what we have, and yet we're more unhappy than ever. Every statistic mm. shows that, right? And I believe it's because we have been approaching ourselves simply as biological beings, and you can't satisfy non-biological craving with biological trappings, um, which I think is exactly what the world has been doing. So I believe we have a soul within us that is is craving, that it is reaching out. Um, and we just keep trying to feed it biological things. And that is why there is such unhappiness. So in order to kind of explain to you my perspective on on the breakdown, and I think that, I think I think I understand what you're saying. I think that oftentimes we have complicated language un, um, unknowingly, you know, we just kind of tricked, we've kind of stumbled into it. So when I talk about our soul, I'm talking about what some people would call not the Holy Spirit, but the spirit of man. I'm talking about, you know, if if we talk, we use language like consciousness, or if we use language like, and the scripture is actually full of this for that matter, the heart, you know, we always talk about you know, the heart of man, you know, and, and again, it means the seat of the of our personhood, right? And so I would collect those all together and say, bringing them together, that is what I am calling the soul, or as some people prefer, our non-biological selves. And I think that um, viewing it in that kind of larger capacity is the way that I like to approach it. I see. And so, you know, it's interesting. Um, so our soul could actually, because we are uniquely made, right? We're uniquely made by our creators. Could be that inscripted part of us, our being per se, that is actually giving us our calling, our purpose. Um, would you say, I'm just curious, or, you know, how does somebody that can't identify or connect with their soul understand the soul better, right? Right. Yeah. Well, I think the first part of it is, is as you mentioned, coming, accepting the awareness of it, right? Um, and I think that this is something that is not hard to do because all of humanity, I believe, intuitively knows we have a soul. We, we have to go out of our way and convince ourselves of all sorts of things in order to distance ourselves from that awareness, right? I, I often talk about the soul in this way. I say, here's some evidence towards it for those of your listeners that might, this might help. You know, I say that Think of this, all of humanity, every culture came to the same conclusion independently. And we're kind of moving into uh, the scientific method here, right? Of observation and documentation and, and, and whatnot. So when you think of this, the Europeans who believed in the soul, when they landed at Plymouth Rock, they came and they met the Native, you know, the Native American people at the time. They came to a people in, in America who already believed in the soul. Europeans did not bring an awareness of the soul. It already existed amongst all the peoples here. And when Rome, who believed in a soul, the Romans, when they landed their ships north of the White Cliffs of Dover and Brittany to try to conquer that island, they they didn't bring the awareness of the soul. They came to a people who already had an awareness of the soul. You think of all the different tribes in Africa, how big that continent is, and and all of those different people all came to an awareness of the soul 
it was not brought to them by any kind of conquering people that that were invading their nations. When you so when you think that every culture came to the same conclusion independently, right? That is undeniable evidence that we have a soul. Now, of course, I would say that's the reason why there's so many religions in the world today. All these cultures had to try to kind of put a framework and a description around what they already understood about themselves. So for your listeners who are wondering first off about the soul, I would say um, you have this awareness in you. That is not just a personal awareness. It is, a, it is awareness that has gone across the world and throughout time. People have been aware that they exist beyond biology. And so the awareness of the soul can, can just start with be separated from religion in the sense that it was it's one of our root awarenesses. It's one of the root um, um, knowledge we have inside of us. And it's only been in modern times that that's been tried to, they tried to educate it out of us, you know, so, so to speak. Um, and so as far as connecting with that goes, I think that once you come to that awareness, and once you are aware that more than a brain or a body, you are a soul, and you are a soul with value, you know, then you have to ask, okay, well, what is my soul good for, right? And ultimately, I would break it down, and, I, and as you already mentioned, the soul is the core of who you are. Those dreams that are, that are being birthed inside of you, those aren't coming from psychology. That's coming from the soul. When you feel those, those huge offenses you know, and that hurt from what has happened, you know, to you or, or around you, that's not a psychological experience. That is a soul experience, right? And the reason, again, why I think that so of us, so many of us have been so unsuccessful and actually trying to find peace in the midst of this world in chaos is because we are subscribing to biological methods to try to soothe a non-biological problem. Yeah, it's very interesting. So it's kind of like I'm hearing. So the soul is part of our being, right? And it goes beyond just mind connecting to body. It is a level of consciousness. And it's also unique to the individual, right? Yeah. And that's the beauty of what yeah. we've been given, right? Yeah. And so, for example, um, you know, if, if somebody, they have their soul and let's say they experienced pain at some point in their life, right? They have that response, maybe have a, a pain response to a situation that somebody else may not have based on how they are uniquely made. Would that, would that be yeah. accurate? I would say that's true. So my, I, I post to people this, and of course I've written a book on this topic about the five cravings of the soul. And the reason I've categorized these cravings as as soul cravings is, is as I've already mentioned, they they exist sub psychology, right? They're they're not simply a neuron and brain chemical issue, right? They are they are deeper than that. And so I I have put forth five cravings of the soul that I believe are the root of all human ambition um, and all human desire. And so as people as we look around the world and we ask the question why which is really what started me off on this journey, to be honest. I was one of those curious kids from when I was very little, looking at the world and wondering why. I remember as a poor as a poor kid, looking at my family, wondering why we live differently than other people. I remember as a, as a boy sitting with my dad in the kitchen, and we had, we'd sit around the radio um, with the first um, Iraq war. 
Um, and I remember just sitting and listening to what was happening. And I remember even, even then as a boy, wondering why. And so it was that question of why. Why is the world the way it is? Why are people doing what they're doing? That has kind of led me on a lifetime of study that has ultimately ended up in the soul. And I didn't, so I didn't start looking for the soul, right? I started asking the question, why? And that why led me through philosophy. It led me through psychology. It led me through neuroscience and ultimately ended up in the soul. Um, and so those cravings, I believe, as we look around the world and we understand, we try to figure out why is that person so desperate to get married, right? Or why is that person so desperate now to get a divorce? <laughs> or, or why is that person, you know, so why is a degree, you know, a degree, a PhD or whatever, so important to them? Meanwhile, this person over here, you know, for them, they're not pursuing a PhD. They're pursuing starting their own landscaping company. Why the differences between us? I say that those differences are actually rooted in five similarities. And those similarities are security, identity, independence, significance, and innocence. I oppose these not, are not psychological cravings. These are not social cravings. These are cravings of the soul. And they have propelled all of us to do everything we've ever done. And so not only do we have this uh, personal awareness when we, when we look at the soul, but it gives us a societal awareness as well. Yeah. So break those down again, those components. Yeah. So the first craving, and again, these aren't ranked in areas of importance or um, I think that they are all equal, to be perfectly honest. Um, the first one I say is the the soul craving for security. And when I talk about security, I break it into two parts, and that is physical security, which what we would call our will to live, you know, our survival instinct, so to speak, um, and relational security, which is just as powerful. And that is we need to know that our hearts are safe in the hands of those who hold them. And we can be literally driven to a point of madness if this security fails. And so that first craving is the craving for security, specifically physical and, and uh, relational security. The second one I talk about is identity. And again, this is a, this is a soul craving. This is not a, a biological craving. It does not exist in any other creature on earth. Um, and the craving for identity asks four symbiotic questions. Who am I? Why am I? Do I have value? Do I have purpose? The, the, that craving for personal identity and social identity, for that matter, is at the root of so much of our ambition and our grief. And, um, and again, we can have all the money in the world. We can have high walls and a moat around our, our castle. But if we don't know who we are, if we're struggling with identity, we will not have peace. It is a prerequisite to peace. So security, identity, and then independence, of course, right? And we, we, we look at independence. And again, I break it into two sections. Freedom. There's the freedom component of independence, right? I need to feel that I am in some way have some sort of autonomy. And of course, this is why prison itself is, is oftentimes a, it's a punish for, punishment for people, right? The feeling that we are simply caged, right, yeah. It yeah. Is, is a very strong punishment against us. And so we have this desire for freedom. Um, but not just freedom, there's also the the individualistic aspect of, of independence. And that is, I need to know that I am distinct, right? That I am unique. Uh, right? okay. And that, that there is something about me that is set apart. So security, identity, independence, and then significance. 
right? We, we all need to know in some way that we are special, that we aren't just set apart, but that in some way we are set above, right? For some people, for Usain Bolt right now, it's he's the fastest man in the world. That's probably where he gets part of his significance from. For grandma, maybe it was because she thought she could make the best apple pie. Whatever it is, we all need to know that we are significant in some way. And then the fifth one being innocence. We are all craving innocence. We we have this core drive inside of us that needs to feel like we are not only not guilty, but that we are good, that you're a good girl, that I'm a good boy. Yeah. And and when you think of it, almost every argument you've ever had was based around your perception that someone was either directly or indirectly accusing you of wrongdoing or wrong thinking. It, it could be a tax violation, a speeding violation, or leaving your socks on the floor. But almost every argument began because we felt like someone was accusing us which triggered our craving for innocence, right? And what do we do? We either flee from them because we can't be around someone who's making us feel guilty, right? Or we fight. (laughs) And in that particular case, it's not a matter of feeling completely guilty. I just need, or innocent. I just need to believe I'm, I'm more innocent than you are, right? So you say me, you left your socks on the floor today. Well, then I'm like, well, you left your shirt on the floor yesterday. You hypocrite, right? I'm, I'm not just... I, I I can admit that I'm guilty a little bit as long as I believe I'm less guilty than you are. Right? Yeah. And that is really, it's amazing when you think that is the source of almost every argument we've ever had. So we have these soul cravings. Again, these are sub-psychology. These are deeper inside of us. Security, identity, independence, significance, and innocence. And if people are trying to understand why they do what they do, you know, or you just think of it, why why do you have friction with your sister? right? Um, Why are these political parties warring like they are, right? And maligning each other the way they are. You know, oftentimes we try to overcomplicate the problem. I can tell you what the problem is. It's boiled down to five areas, security, identity, independence, significance, and innocence. They are the prerequisites for peace. They are the definite, they're what we're looking for in a love relationship with someone, right? Mm -hmm. They are the definition of happiness. Yeah. And you and here's the thing and here here's the tricky part. These are soul cravings, which means by nature they cannot be satisfied in biological places, but we live in a world today that is trying to find satisfaction for the soul in the biological and that's not working. Yeah. Yeah, so 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 wow, what beautiful um information there, Corey, about what you define as the soul. I mean, to me, that makes that makes sense. I mean, physical relations, um, security, security, relationship security. Um, so these are things in our being that we we are kind of craving that we yeah. that's calling out of us. That's um, goes above mind, goes above, above psycho- psychological that are in our consciousness, our identity. Um, uh, yeah, um, that makes sense. And the freedom piece makes sense. And um, significance. I like that for sure. (laughs) Um, And then the innocence piece. How interesting is that? Huh? Yeah. Well, it's interesting because if, um, if you look at psychological textbooks or psychological, you know, um, 
papers for the last 200 years, you will find the first five clearly, or the first four clearly up front. You'll find them everywhere about the human need for security, identity, independence, and significance. They're they're everywhere. I am I I've never seen anyone bring them together as I have into these five cravings, so we can look at them all in one place, right? But you can buy a book on the human need for significance, or you can go buy a book on the human need for identity, right? It's well documented throughout psychological history and psychological literature. I am saying that these are actually deeper than psychology, right? Yeah. They are they are of the soul, and the fifth one is what I think a lot of people have been missing. And that yeah. is that craving for innocence. And I oftentimes, I don't want to say it's bigger than the rest. It's simply less known, which at times I think is why it seems larger, right? And so yeah. oftentimes, the truth of the matter is, if if your audience is wondering why they're having strained relationships with people, they can look in these five places you know, pr- yeah. to identify it. And so many times that that innocence is right there, right? Be- yeah. So yeah, that 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 hits home because like it's like to me listening to you talk, you know, I think about innocence and you know, I know a lot of our listeners were were coming in different angles, but just for me personally being a Christian, I think about that in terms of sin, right? And so like I have sinned and so then therefore I am no longer innocent, right? I am then right. And so that's the freedom that 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 I know that I can only find in the Lord Jesus Christ, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Well, and that's and, and to be, and to be honest, that's why I titled my book "The Magnetic Heart of God: Understanding the Five Cravings of Your Soul." Yeah. Because ultimately, these there's only these five cravings cannot be satisfied in the biological. There's only one place that they can be satisfied simultaneously, right? And that is in connection with our Maker. At the end of the day. So tell us a little bit more about the magnetic heart of God, your book, and what you mean by magnetic heart. I want to hear this. Well, I, I I would suggest to people that, as I've already mentioned, these cravings are not biological. They were they were nor did they evolve into being. They were placed in us on purpose as a homing device, right? So that's why I called the book The Magnetic Heart of God, because we all have these cravings inside of us. And the truth of the matter is we look at the world and they're trying to satisfy them in money, in wealth. They're trying yeah. some people are trying to satisfy them through control, others through, you know, manipulations, through sex, through for some people, just the escape into drugs or you know, or some sort of mind-altering substance. Or there's um some people through philosophy or whatever. They're, they're we're looking to satisfy these cravings elsewhere and it's not working right and i so i propose that our maker placed them with us on purpose as a homing device because there's only to draw us back to him that's why i called the book the magnetic heart of god if god is a magnet and if you picture your soul these cravings of your soul as some sort of iron we are being drawn to the magnet right and you had mentioned earlier you had used the word sin right and how that has to do with um, innocence well, we have inside of us, you know, um, this fatal element, you know, that that resists the pull back to our maker and which constantly tries to divert us into all sorts of folly. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and places that we we will perpetually be unhappy. Um, there's a, a Canadian comedian named Jim Carrey. You probably heard of him. He's a silly guy. Made a lot of silly movies. Right. Um, yeah. A while I heard him a quote on from him about three, three, four weeks ago. 
He said, I wish that everybody could experience riches and fame so that they would realize that's not the answer. Right. And history is full of people who have reached the top just to discover there's nothing there. I saw actually an interview with Elon Musk a while ago, the richest man, you know, from what we know, who's ever existed, who's ever lived. Right. And the interviewer was basically asking him, you know, um, essentially, are you happy? And just the look on his face. And remember, so here's Elon Musk, the richest man. There's nothing on this earth that he cannot have. And he looked at the interview and he said, I don't think many people would want to be me. Right. And it's like, wow, when you think of that, because everybody thinks they want to be him. Right. In, yeah. In oh, some yeah. way. And yet there's no amount of more when it comes to biological things or things on earth. There's no amount of more that's ever enough. Oh, yeah. Right. You said it right there. I'm, I agree with you 100%. There's nothing. And this is this is why, you know, having you on here today, you know, even in terms of our health and wellness, it's always been my belief that it is that key component, what we're talking about right now, that connection to our creator, soul, spirit, that whole piece there. There's nothing that trumps that. Nothing, mm-hmm. nothing, yeah. no amount of money, wealth, yeah. anything. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. and there's a healing power right? Here's a healing power right here, which is another reason why we're on. Right. And so, so like, that's the beauty of this, right? Wouldn't you tell me a little bit about your, your take on that? Yeah. It's so beautiful because you have access to it right now, right? We have this lie that, Oh, I need another degree. I need another relationship. I need another house, a newer car. I need whatever it is so that I can find this, this peace, this wholeness that I'm looking for. It's like, no, it, you you will get that new house and it won't be enough. You will get that new car and it won't be enough. You will get that new spouse or whatever and you will find they are fallible and they cannot fill that, that void that's inside of you. And so that's the beauty of it because security, identity, independence, significance, and innocence, they're available right now, right where you are. Yeah. But the, the challenge is we have to stop believing the lie, which is so deep inside of us, right? That I... I will experience happiness if I just get enough control, if I just get enough money, if I just feel like I've been given enough love. And and yet, and that is a lie that has proven itself over and over and over again. And so you can um, have all the money in the world and not be happy. Just ask Elon Musk. Or you can be poor, give your life in this destitute kind of poverty-ridden scenario like Mother Teresa and be a person of peace. But there are five prerequisites. And that is the challenge. And ultimately, that's why I believe, that's why I call it the magnetic heart of God, understanding the five cravings of your soul. Security, identity, independence, significance, and innocence. There is only, you have to have all of them. You have to experience satisfaction for all of them simultaneously in order to have peace. And that's a big thing. That's why, that's why peace is so fleeting for most of us. Yes. We, we can have moments where we like feel totally secure or a season, but ultimately that goes away. Sickness comes, recession comes, whatever it is, right? We mm-hmm. can have we can have moments, right, where we feel significant, right? But again, right. or seasons, but soon we age, we get injured, someone else comes, you know, whatever it is, oh, yeah. it's broken down. 
But so that's why peace is so fleeting here on earth. But there's only one place where these cravings can be satisfied simultaneously to, for any lasting length of time. And that is in our maker. Yeah, well, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I just couldn't agree more. And that's why we're on here today is that let's just look at, I mean, I know this to be true for myself. I'm here. Like, I'm going to tell you. <laughs> It's not, it's by no mistake. Okay. Yeah. You know, but so here's the thing too. If we, you know, we're, you know, even in the wor work I'm doing health and wellness wise, we can be extremely fit and extremely healthy, but so unhealthy. Yeah. So sick inside. Right. Yeah. And I see this all the time, especially in the world when it comes to fitness, especially when it comes to fitness. Right. Yeah. You know, so exercise is not going to cure you. Nutrition is not going to cure you, yeah. right? All, all these yeah. things we're seeking, not to say that they're wrong or bad and that there can be a lot of benefit out of those things, but that's not the answer. Right. You yeah, I'm a, gym, I'm a gym rat myself. And I, and I can tell you that, you know, the gym is not full of happy people, right? And yet, <laughs> yeah. and, and yet you know, I have, I have seen, I have so many clients who have gone to therapists and they've been told, right? They're like the, the 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 person is in depression or or anxiety or they're just at this dark place in their life, and the best their therapist can tell them at times is start running right, create endorphins, get all these you know get the blood flowing, all these things. And again, as you mentioned, those can be great and wonderful and good things. We should do those things, but yeah. ultimately that is not the answer at the end of the day. And I you know I I'll talk to you sometimes I'll coach uh, couples, right, and there's conflict in a relationship. Where is the conflict, right? Well, right. security, identity, independence, significance, and innocence. As long as oftentimes what couples are doing is they're looking to each other to satisfy yeah. a craving that can only be satisfied in their maker, right? They're setting right. each other up to lose. Now, I believe that we can see reflections of those satisfactions in each other. Right? In fact, I think we're supposed to, right? Um, right? A wife should look at her husband and he should reflect to her security, identity, independence, significance, innocence. She, she should reflect those things back to him, right? Exactly. But ultimately, we cannot be each other's source. No. Oh, right. Yeah, that's just not not going to work. I know that. Yeah, I hear you 100%. And so, yeah, so... Yeah, this is great. I mean, this I mean, this is this is the key. And I think, you know, one thing that I'd like to mention too cuz you know, people listening today are like, so so how how do I, you know, get in contact with that part of me? And and you know, there has to be a level of and we're all on our own journeys, right? I mean, each one of us, right? Myself included, but a level of coming to an understanding and being able to connect to those things at a deeper level. I know that that that's the work that I'm, I'm always doing, I'm doing right now. I'm, um, you know, layers being revealed more and more, but coming to that understanding is, is a very personal thing. And, um, I just want to get your thoughts on that, Corey, as well. Well, I would say to people that, um, you have the awareness. It's just a matter of identifying where that awareness is coming from and where it belongs. So, to me, I'm going to, I'm going to use an oversimplification, a visual that perhaps will help people. It's like sorting your laundry, right? You have your lights here and your darks here, right? And you have to know which pile it needs to go into. And so when, you, when you're looking at your life, you need to be able to ask yourself, okay, I want pizza tonight. That's a biological craving, right? Put that in that pile, <laughs> right? Unless, unless, here, and here we come, unless maybe your dad loved pizza, 
right? And you feel so connected with your dad that the, the fact that your spouse doesn't want pizza <laughs> is offensive to you because it's not just the biological issue. Now, now it's an identity issue because you want to identify with your father. We and you always eat pizza on, you know, on Monday night with your father. <laughs> you know, you have to ask if, if you're looking at your spouse, and again, you're asking the question why. You have to start being able to look at it in this framework, but you have to put the right things in the right piles, right? That whole yeah. idea of you saying, of people feeling, I feel empty inside. I feel like I'm not loved. I feel like um, I'm unfulfilled. That's the soul. That's the soul. Right? Oh, that's so good. Yeah. Yes. And in that identity piece, I know like I'm just thinking a lot of even myself is that goes back deep, like the older we get, the further we have to go back. And that mm -hmm. goes back to our roots are like yeah. when we were very, very small and, and connecting to that piece and understanding that piece. And that's where a great therapist can help. Even if they, even if your therapist isn't aware of the cravings of the soul, you know, yeah. because what, what a therapist can help you do is to go back and say, so we all are propelled through life and time by the same five cravings, but because of our lives, because of our childhoods, we've learned different methods of pursuit, right? Mm -hmm. Which is why there is that one person, there's this one person who, as you just mentioned, fitness, right? They look right. at the world and, right, and they will measure your success. They will measure their, the value they place upon you and how much can you best bridge? How, how fast can you, how far, how far can you run, right? What's your BMI, right? Right, <laughs> right? that's what they're obsessed with. Meanwhile, this other, and they, that was something, something happened when they were growing up. There was some influence that came into them that they started pursuing significance or, you know, identity or whatever, security, whatever it is through fitness, right? Meanwhile, yes. there's this other person who didn't have those influences in their life. And for them, it's about education. They look at you and go, oh, do you have a PhD? Well, if you don't want, I don't want to hear what you have to say. And they literally look at the world and they rank people, you know, by what education do you have, Right. You know, what was yes. your GPA? What was your GPA? And they've developed these mechanisms for measuring people around them through that lens of, of the cravings of the soul. And yet it's, again, it's never enough, right? And yet we've developed these coping mechanisms or these methods of pursuit. And a good therapist will help you develop healthier pursuit methods. Yes. And there are all kinds of therapists out there. And I just want to say too, that there are even faith-based mm -hmm. um therapist out there for, yeah. for somebody that, you know, needs somebody within their own faith and so forth. That totally makes sense. And I, and yeah, everything that you, that you just shared really makes sense. And I think that, you know, just in your example with Elon Musk and, you know, at what point do we have to get to, to like realize how important it is to connect to this part of us. Right. And, and so bringing that awareness on for everybody today, no matter where they are in their journey, in their life, I think is, is really important. It's such an important part of our overall wellness, well-being, health, all of those things. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I, so this, this couldn't be a better topic and um, yeah, I'm so grateful to, to brought you on today. And I just want to say thank you. <laughs> um, and also I want everybody to know that I'm going to include the link in this episode today for Corey's website in the book, Magnetic Heart of God, which I will be getting a copy. 
um, is going to be on the website. So if you would like to to get, you can go directly to the website. And and Corey, is there any anywhere else that that you want to send anybody or anything else that you'd like to share? That is the best place to send people is to the to the website coryrosinki.com and it can, it can channel people into either contacting me or finding out where the book is available near them. Um, you know what? If, if I could just kind of say a few words to your listeners, it would be this, and I just I just want to drive this point home. You are not the reflection in the mirror. That's not what defines you. You aren't the number on the way scale. It's not what defines you. Now, now I get into a little offensive area here. You aren't your BMI. You aren't your GPA. You know, you aren't the diplomas on your wall. We aren't even the color of our skin. We are souls at the core of who we are. Souls craving these five beautiful cravings. And again, they are the cravings themselves are not bad. What ultimately what will harm us is when we pursue them in the wrong places or in the wrong way. Right? Sure. Oh, more yeah. than a more than a brain or a body, you are a soul. And when we actually grasp that, it will revolutionize, I believe. It'll revolutionize the way you live. There is nothing mm-hmm. that will change the trajectory of your life faster than this. And they, it will show you how close you are, how actually close you are right now to that peace and fulfillment um, that you are all looking for, that, we're, that we are all looking for. It's right here, right? But it comes with us truly and authentically coming to that full awareness of ourselves and then clinging to it because you have a world that is not there yet. So you are going to be bombarded constantly. Think every promise from every politician, every commercial that comes on your streaming service is all designed to tell you, hey, if you get richer, better looking, if you get more control, if you have a better persona, if you have more education, you'll have everything you ever want. No, you won't. But it is available to you and it is available to you right now. Thank you so much for those awesome words of wisdom. And I thank you so much for coming on here today, Corey. Thank you. And remember, we do new episodes every week on Wednesday. And I look forward to having you join me then. I just want to thank you so much for taking the time to join me today. If you want more information about the podcast or to hear the latest episode, go to movementcraft.com slash podcast. If you enjoyed the episode and found it helpful, please make sure you subscribe and share with a friend or family member because our whole goal here at Better Than a Pill is to empower you with lifelong tools to live healthy and pain-free.